Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. It's Friday, October the 16th. Plenty coming up, including a crackdown on crime in Maidstone. The film director honoured by the BFI and a look ahead to Gillingham's game this weekend. But first, there's a call today for a ban on under-18s getting Botox or cosmetic fillers by one of Kent's MPs. Laura Trott, who represents Seven Oaks, says thousands of teenagers are altering their appearance after feeling pressure to look a certain way and seeing ads on social media. Well, she's been speaking in the Commons and highlighted the risk of scarring and other health issues if the procedure goes wrong. No child needs cosmetic fillers or Botox. However, this is not, unfortunately, how many of our young people feel. Social media exerts a huge pressure on young people to conform to aesthetic ideals which are simply not obtainable without cosmetic surgery or interventions. And this, combined with their increasing availability on the high street and in people's homes, means that we have an increasing normalisation of cosmetic interventions among the young, procedures which risk ruining young people's lives. Alarmingly, this is an unregulated area, so the data we have on prevalence is very thin. But a survey in 2018 showed that 100,000 under-16s had undergone cosmetic enhancements, the most common being fillers. This is not just worrying for the mental health of our young people. It is worrying for their physical health too. You do not expect something which you can easily and very legally get done in the comfort of your own home to be something that can blind you. But shockingly, this is the case. It is worth dwelling on a specific case study, which is representative of the countless stories that I have heard. An under-18 female, who I will not name, booked a lip filler treatment after seeing a social media post which was promoting a discount. When she arrived at the clinic, she uh, applied numbing cream herself to her lips. She was not asked her name. She was not asked details of her medical history. She was not told, even, what product was being used. She was not told of any possible side effects. Mr Speaker, she was not consulted. The treatment itself took less than 10 minutes, and on uh, completion she was hurried out to pay um, the final balance. A few days later, she was experiencing significant pain and loss of sensation in the left side of her face. She contacted the person who treated her. She was ignored. Her symptoms became worse. She contacted her GP. She was told that she should go and see another practitioner. When she eventually found a reputable local aesthetic healthcare professional, she reviewed her lips and concluded that the filler was compromising the blood flow to the tissue. She nearly lost her lips. This is an under 18 girl who nearly lost her lips through a procedure freely advertised, legally administered, with no warnings or regulation whatsoever. After that debate, the bill moves into the next step of becoming law. Elsewhere today, two men in their 20s and 40s from Maidstone have died after the flatbed van they were in crashed with a lorry on the M26. It happened on the coastbound stretch near Rootham at around one yesterday afternoon, closing the road for several hours. A third man, who was also in the van, is still in a critical condition in a London hospital. Investigators are keen to speak to witnesses or anyone with dash comfort 
heritage. A new task force is launching in Maidstone to tackle things like knife crime, drug supply and antisocial behaviour. Police are teaming up with the council, trading standards, housing associations and volunteers to try and make the county town a safer place. Well, it's hoped they'll also be able to proactively target rogue traders, fraudsters and burglars while engaging with residents, schools, businesses and community groups. Here's Kent's Chief Constable Alan Pusley. The work today is the official launch of the uh, Maitland Task Force, which is a group of my dedicated officers with local authority and wider partners working together to directly address local concerns in Maidstone in the widest of context and right at the moment they're focusing on the area of Shepway. So collectively we can solve problems that are here and now and work upstream, address the causes and then solve problems longer term. You mentioned sort of local concerns there. What, what local concerns are there? So some of the things we're dealing with at the moment are violence, knife-enabled crime, uh, domestic abuse, antisocial behaviour, and things that are just really worrying and upsetting local community members. Uh, and that could be COVID-19 related issues or indeed, as I say, uh, antisocial behaviour. So it's directly focused on those concerns for these local communities. Matthew Scott is the county's police and crime commissioner. The task force has been planned for a little while and crime in Kent is down over last uh, year. But what we're trying to do is to work with communities to really galvanise support for the police and local authorities uh, and bring crime and antisocial down uh, further. There's lots more that we can do together and I think this partnership will deliver that. Kent Online News. An outbreak of COVID-19 has been reported at Kent's biggest hospital, Medway Maritime in Gillingham. Several patients have tested positive for the virus on Will Adams Ward. Bosses say they're taking action to stop the spread of the virus, including testing all inpatients and staff on the ward and carrying out enhanced cleaning. It's hoped a £5 billion theme park in North Kent will strengthen the case for much-needed improvements to Swanscombe Railway Station. The London Resort, which has been described as Britain's answer to Disneyland is due to open in 2024 but concerns have been raised about the impact it'll have on transport in the area. Now a couple from Herm Bay say they feel like they're living on the set of the birds after a flock of pigeons started nesting under their solar panels. At Kent Online you can see pictures of more than 40 that are roosting on the roof of a house in Reculver Road. Now a Kent man's debut feature film has been premiered at the BFI London Film Festival. Director Aline Khan from Gillingham is in the running for a £50,000 award for After Love, which is about a Muslim convert. The 35-year-old had to finish editing the movie during lockdown after filming in Dover and Calais last year. He hopes if he wins, it'll give him the time to work on his next project. It's an incredible opportunity um, and it's it's a real privilege to be to be nominated for the IWC um, bursary. It's an incredible thing that IWC and BFI are doing. And f for me, it's, I mean, it's, it's a huge award and it would really allow for whoever wins it to, I think, work in a way that has not really been possible before. I mean, so much of our work is kind of spent thinking and, and writing. And obviously when you've got bills to pay and you've got other responsibilities, you're always kind of being torn in different directions. So I think what the award would allow me, for example, would be time um, and focus and that's a real luxury and I think especially right now in the climate that we're in when cinemas are closing 
and you know you have a government that's saying you know retrain and you know just get another job um i think it's a real it's a a real blessing uh, to have this um, if, if obviously if I was to win it would um, really allow for um, some stability I guess. And of course it's for your debut feature and it's set in Dover tell us about the the filmmaking process um, how, how long you spent on that when did that all start? So After Love is drama and it's about a woman called Mary who is in her 60s she lives in Dover with her husband and she's a, a Muslim convert. She converted when she married her husband. And, you know, they've been married for like 40 odd years. Um, and he dies very suddenly in the story quite early on. And after she di he dies, she discovers um, a whole load of secrets, basically, um, that make her take a ferry to Calais and to investigate this, uh, this big deceit that has kind of been perpetrated against her. And so um, I had, my grandparents actually lived in Folkestone for years and um, I grew up kind of on those cliffs and going to Calais with my family. So I know the landscapes very well. And when I was developing this story, there was something about the proximity of these two places, um, kind of two worlds that are very close, but are also very distinct and very separate, but, but kind of bound by and binded by this, this stretch of water and I guess the transient nature of these two landscapes seemed to kind of really fit in with the themes that I was exploring in this film. So it felt like a very natural place to set the, the story. A new escape rooms opening in Folkestone to try and raise money for the historic Lees Lift, which you might recall has been closed for the past three years because of safety issues. It's understood an exhibition will also be included at the site of the new escape room on Sandgate Road, although we don't know yet when it's going to open. David Walliams is praising the work of school staff in Kent. He's recorded a message to congratulate the winners of the Kent Teacher of the Year Awards. It'll be played at the virtual ceremony, which is being streamed on Facebook this evening. And an international arts event gets underway in Kent this weekend, and it's hoped it'll show just how important the industry is. The Canterbury Festival would ordinarily have up to 200 attractions, but it's been scaled back to around 60 with reduced capacity because of the pandemic. Rob Smith is one of the organisers. This year is actually Beethoven's 250th birthday. So we've got Joanna McGregor, who's a world-renowned pianist, and she's performing all 32 of his sonatas over three days, which is quite a, it's a, a mega task, really. And she plays most of it by memory. Um, so over eight, eight concerts, that will be taking place at the Shirley Hall. Um, we've also got the barely methodical troupe Romance. They're a circus trio, essentially. Um, do lots of acrobats and shows all kind of about male relationships and kind of across between just kind of being macho and sensitivity and yeah it's a really great show and um, unfortunately it's actually sold out as well um, uh, but yeah we've got lots of other shows coming up we've got Bumper Blyton which is a kind of Enid Blyton parody or comedy and it's all improvised so that'd be quite chaotic and interesting and then we've also got Shakespeareance, which is uh, it's actually geared for ages five plus. So they compress three Shakespeare shows into one hour, essentially. And it's a, a lot more sort of mischief and mayhem than your standard kind of uh, Shakespeare show. It'll be launching at the Cathedral tomorrow and there'll be live music and performances over the next fortnight. Kent Online Sport. 
The Kent Youth Football League has warned clubs that the league will shut down if bad behaviour continues. The chief exec has revealed one referee has withdrawn from a game this weekend after he feared for his own safety. Ken Brooks says some managers' behaviour has been more akin to boxing and players have been breaking opponents' noses or even spitting. Staying with football and the Premier League's £50 million rescue package offered to clubs like Gillingham has been rejected. The EFL says the amount isn't enough to help those in the lower leagues stay afloat during the pandemic. Many smaller clubs are struggling financially because fans still aren't allowed in stadiums. Meantime, Gillingham will be looking to continue their good run of form this weekend as they travel up the M1 to MK Dons. The Jills are currently fourth in the League One table with just one defeat from their five games so far. Tomorrow's opposition are struggling at the bottom of the league and are yet to record a victory this campaign. But Jills defender Ryan Jackson says they can't be complacent. Obviously, no, no taking away from MK. They're still a good side. Um, it's still early doors as well. Uh, we're just trying to approach it in the same manner as we did with Oxford. We know we've got to work hard. We've got to obviously stick together. Um, and I think we could play a little bit better than we did against Oxford as well. So if we can implement all those things, hopefully we get a good result. Kickoff tomorrow is at one and you can follow the action on Kent Online and via Kent Online Jills on Twitter. And finally, in cricket, Darren Stevens has been voted Kent's Player of the Year by supporters for the second year running. The 44-year-old was also named Best Bowler at last night's virtual event. Zach Crawley, who's in the England squad, won Player's Player of the Year, while Daniel Bell Drummond was given the award for top batsman. Well, that's it for today, but you can also subscribe to the IM News app and that will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. To do it, head to iliftmediasubs.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.